Amen. All right, so again, we started this series three weeks ago, and we're on part four called Vision. All right, and I've been pretty pumped up about vision because we were able just to talk about what God sees in our lives, his grand plan for us, maybe those that are around us. Let me tell you something. God really wants everyone. That's the will of the Father. He wants everybody, okay, because he understands that there is a, a, a world that's very hostile to God, very hostile to him, to the point where he sent his own son to the cross so we can inherit the kingdom of God. So on week one, we talked about the vision of, of the church and answered the big question, why do we do church? Why do we come on Sundays and we gather together? And we played a quick little game just with the companies and products. And then we came to the church. And, and what, what, what do they produce? And a lot of great answers out there. We had Jesus. We had worship. We had uh, fellowship. All these great, great answers. But the true answer uh, it showed in Matthew 28 where Jesus says, go and make disciples. Jesus told us 12. And let me tell you, those words echo till today. Go and make disciples. And so we gather together. We talked about the, the purpose of the church is we gather together because we want to win people to Jesus Christ. We're going to find ways to bridge that gap. Sunday is just one of those ways to introduce people to Jesus Christ. But not only that, we want the believer to grow into becoming disciples. And a simple disciple is someone that follows the teachings of Jesus, saying, hey, hey not my way, your way. What your word says, I will follow. Wherever you want me to go, Lord, I will go. And that is just the vision of the church. You know, I, I've had many conversations the past 13 years of being a Christian. I had many, many conversations of people, certain people, no one in this room, by the way, so don't try to figure it out. Certain people that would say, I, I believe in God, but I don't believe in the church. I don't believe in it. And it's like, if you, if you look at Scripture, if you look at Ephesians and how, how Jesus uh, even modeled it when he was on earth, Jesus and the church were all a part of God's plan. It's not a pick and choose thing here. It's like saying, Jesse, I like you, but I don't like your wife, you know, or, or, or vice versa. Mahdi, I, I like you, but I really don't like your husband. Those are fighting words to us, you know. We don't like that, you know, and the thing is we're one, okay. If, if Mahdi's fun, I'm fun. I, bottom line, that's how it is. We're together. I share that because she's like just lights up a room all the time. I need her. I need her. <laughs> but here's the thing. God, the church is God's plan. The church is you guys. It is not this building. The church is needed still on earth to continue to build on the family of God. So we need to go and make disciples. Then week two, we talked about uh, the vision of God in, in our personal life. In our personal life. And we went to Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, I have plans for you with a hope and a future is what God says. In other words, every single person in this entire room right now has a purpose. Maybe you don't know it or, 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 or you haven't heard anything yet, but you have a purpose and God wants you to discover that in your life. And this is where we promoted growth track, which, by the way, has been going very well. We'll have another round coming up very soon. But we don't want you just to know God. We don't want you just to find freedom. We want you to discover the purpose that God put in your life. What were you wired to do? And I say the word do because it requires us to take an action. God has a plan for your life to continue to advance the kingdom of God. And then last week on, on part three, we talked about the vision of God of having a, an effective prayer life. Being effective with your words. And we use the illustration and the example of the prophet Elijah coming out of 1 Kings 17. 
Now, Elijah heard God. All right, Elijah was commissioned many times by God to give a message to certain kings and certain people to let them know, hey, turn, repent. God, God wants you to turn your wicked ways around. And even during those times when he got word from God, hearing God to go deliver that, that did not stop Elijah for, from praying continually, even about the situation. You know, we, we said sometimes we hear word from God and, and we think, okay, that's it. No more praying. I'm, that, it's going to happen anyways. And that's not what God is intending for us to do. Even if we hear God's word and he tells us to do something, he wants us to continue to have that effective prayer life. Because there are going to be moments where we have to resist the enemy or we have to stand in faith and speak his word. And that effective prayer life is contagious. Okay, it's going to spill over you and affect people in their lives. You know, I have an effective prayer life uh, simply with just my family, one of them, my wife and my kids. And when the devil comes at us, when we speak health in our family every single day since we became believers and, 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 and something comes up and attacks us, it's just us resisting the enemy. And we're going to continue to pray about it. We heard God that Malay is healed already. We know that, but that's not going to stop my prayer for her. I'm going to continue to stand in faith. I'm going to continue to resist the enemy. I'm going to continue to, to put him in his place. That's called an effective prayer life. I have that. You have that. It has nothing to do with title. It has to do with identity in Christ. And you, the moment, say, the moment you said yes to Jesus, now have that identity and authority in Christ to speak to mountains, and they will remove they will be cast away. And so uh, just to kind of give everybody a reminder, you can catch up. If you missed any of those um, uh, uh, messages, you can catch up on rlcholland.com. Just go to messages. We have the archive there. We have the last three of them there and more. And so you can even go to past uh, messages that we had maybe over a year ago if you want to check them out. But we want you to know that tool is there for you guys. Now, today we're going to continue on with part four of vision. And I simply, go figure, God's so good. I simply want to talk about the word of God, the word of God, and how, how the vision of the word it needs to be active in our lives, in all of our lives. You know, uh, lots of believers, I truly believe, miss out because they don't apply what they read. Or, or they don't even necessarily go to the word of God. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, he said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, what Jesus just said is the way, the way food is to our physical body is the way the word is to our spiritual body, our spiritual person in us. You know, I don't know about you, but have you not eaten for like a whole entire day? And then you, you, you get a little uh, uh, fatigued, uh, the stomach starts rumbling, headaches start coming in a little bit, and all these things just start happening. And it affects you physically, you know? In a spiritual sense, when we don't encounter his word, when we don't make it priority to be in God's word, what ends up happening, spiritually speaking, is we start getting fatigued. You know, it doesn't, it, I'm not questioning salvation. That's completely separate. You're a child of God. But let me tell you something. You're missing out on benefits on earth if you simply just don't know. 
and don't apply. And so what happens is we tend to get fatigued in our spiritual life. We get attacked, and yeah, those things flood up, emotions flood up, you know, questions might be rising up, but what happens is the word can easily come squeezing out of you, and you can continue to speak. That's why Jesus says it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus addresses how important it is to read your word. It is very important. He also talks about uh, it being the growth of our life. Again, food to body helps us grow. Word to spiritual man in us helps us grow. And I think the perfect illustration is Peter, the apostle Peter, the disciple of Peter. You know, when you read through the Gospels, and when he was first called by Jesus, he's just a fisherman, all right, just doing his own business, family business, catching fish, and Jesus calls him, he leaves, and he follows Jesus, okay? And there are some hiccup moments that Peter had, if you guys know what I'm talking about, some moments where he had to learn some things, okay? Whether it was he denied Jesus a couple times or a few times, or, or he, he thought he knew everything, or he says, hey, you die, I die, all these prideful moments he had in his life, Jesus corrected him. And it's such a loving way. But as the time goes on and as things happen, you'll see that, you know, that Peter was growing in his faith. He was growing in his spiritual man because the word of God, Jesus Christ, was in his life. See, he had him physically there if you think about it. And even though he had those hiccups in life, the word of God was close and he kept going and overcoming them. To the point after the resurrection and the ascension in heaven from Jesus and the spirit coming down, Jesus pretty much was established as one of the first pastors in the early church. And when he spoke, 3,000 people got saved and came to Jesus. All because of the word of God was in his life. Jesus said, what we just read, Jesus said that we need to live off of God's words. So that's why we, we say how important it is to get into our word and allow his word to be in us. Because God's word grows your heart. God's word grows your faith. God's word helps us grow in, in forgiving others. It helps us grow in patience. How many of y'all ask, God, give me patience? I, I, I'm going to do this. Give me patience. You know, I don't believe God gives you the patience. I, give you, I believe he gives you circumstances to grow in patience. So, so many times we're saying, God, give me patience. Give me patience. And then something comes up where we get impatient. We're like, God, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> He's saying, yes, you did. I'm going to help you here. You're going to learn to be patient during an impatient moment. See, reality is this. When we say, God, give me patience, we're saying, God, just stop everyone from talking to me for a second. Just get everyone away for a second. You, you, that's what we're really asking when we say that. Because if we want patience and we want to see the patience grow, we need to exercise it. So that means during a moment of being impatient or opportunity to be impatient, <laughs> you have an opportunity now to become patient during that, during that time. See, when we, when we allow God's word to just be within us and we, we find the importance of approaching his word and, and speaking things out and allowing Jesus to be within us, it helps us grow in our kindness. And our kindness to one another. You know, uh, for many, many years, I, I struggled, you know. And there are things where God's still working in me right now. Again, being vulnerable. I struggled with the anger side of things, you know. And I, I just, ah, oh, I was just short-tempered. No, don't touch that. Or, or, no, I didn't say to do it that way. 
But his word every day has been saturating my mind and has been trickling in my heart and it's been burning in the tablets of my heart. So when there's an opportunity to get upset about something, I remember his word or the spirit prompts it to my, to, to my head and reminds me what the teachings were because his word was within me and therefore I overcome a situation. Bottom line, this is what I'm saying. We need his word to grow spiritually. Okay, because when his word is in, is in us, that's where we see the entire growth. You think about um, a garden. You know, I have a, a garden in front of my house. Well, it's supposed to be. Okay, I haven't worked on it in a while. All right. Falls around the corner. That's all I got to say. But I, I'm in the middle of cleaning it. But we've had some good seasons where we really uh, put so much attention to it. And I remember one year, my wife and I, we went down deep and pulled every root out. I mean, it took us like two, three days. And we pulled every root out. Even if we didn't see the root, we dug down to find roots. And I'm like, man, this is exhausting. But we were able to pull every root out. Not only that, we put uh, vitamins within the soil. Okay, we, made, we planted some flowers. We had some bushes. Uh, we, we made it look pretty on the outside. We watered it on a daily basis, twice a, twice a day if, if need be. Um, and we, we just thank God for the sunshine because that was what was helping the garden grow. You know, uh, being purposeful of giving it its intention made the, the, the flowers and everything in it grow. Today, you go to my front yard, you're like, Jesse, you neglected it. Yes, I did. Okay, it has been neglected and it doesn't look very nice, okay? And it's because I have not been treating it. I have not been watering it. I have just not cared about the atmosphere. And you can see a total difference. There's no difference when it comes to our lives. You know, the way the water seeps to the ground or when rain comes and it seeps to the ground and it hits the roots of those flowers and those plants and it gives it the opportunity to soak it in and allow it to regenerate and grow. Even when a dead branch comes up, that thing just gets regenerated over and green comes back to it. There's no difference way when we get into God's word and we allow it to soak and hit the root of our lives, those areas that we struggle with. And, and, and God's going to say, hey, my word is going to bring nutrients to you. It's going to bring vitamin to you. It's going to give you so much. Uh, uh, it's going to quench those thirsts that you, you're looking for. And what's going to happen is that word's going to just soak in you. And then you're going to grow and you're going to flourish. And when a dead limb comes up of called anger or pride or, or, or I'm just upset about something, that thing's just going to regenerate. And it's going to be kindness. It's going to be love. And you're going to start speaking it because of God's word. Do you see the importance of how, how it is to have God's word in our life? When we neglect God's word and we, we put other things in priority of God's word, what happens is it's like the flower bed today in my front yard. Weeds start growing up. Old habits start coming back. And we ask God, why am I going through this? And the bottom line is it's not God doing it. It's you neglecting yourself to feed yourself his word. That's where the true quench your thirst is going to be at. Okay, Jesus spoke it and he says, you drink from the everlasting water, you drink from me, you'll thirst no more. And a lot of times we walk around thirsty in our spiritual life, thirsty of what's going on or why am I going through this, why am I having a hard time? That does not make God a bad God. It really is on us to, to get in his word and remind ourselves and water ourselves and get the atmosphere around us. You guys with me? In Acts 20. 
In Acts 20, uh, 32, again, this is Luke, the author. He loves quoting a lot of what Paul says. Uh, but check this out. Paul's about to leave the church of Ephesus to go to Jerusalem. It's the end of his journey here on earth. He's about to say goodbye to the church of Ephesus. It's a really bittersweet moment because they even get to the point, the church says, it's the last time. We're happy, but it's the last time we're going to see your face. And then uh, Paul commissions the, uh, that church and all the elders, all the leaders at that church, he says, look, God, you, you as overseers, take care of God's church. He delegated. Okay, because he's got to go over here now. And he goes on and he talks about, he encourages me, he talks about the word of God for a second. Check this out in uh, Acts 20, 32. He says, and now I entrust you to God, and then check this out, and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those who have set apart for himself. In other words, what Paul just said is his word is food for your inner man. Go do what you got to do. I entrust you to God, but I also trust the word, the message for you to continue to go forward. Listen to me, church. You version. Everyone say you version. I, I run into a lot of conversations. This is the number one thing I hear when I say, how's your Bible reading going? Okay, because it, it's an excuse. All right, here we go. I'm just not a reader. I'm just not a reader. <laughs> want, want. <laughs> That's just a lame excuse, okay? But all right, I get you. You're not a reader. Everyone say, you version. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you version is a simple app, okay, on your phone that you can download for free, all right? And you don't have to just read the Bible. You can hit play and it reads it for you. It reads it. There you go. He's signing it right there. It reads it. And over there, too, it reads it for you. Well, I, I like certain translations, and, and I, don't, I don't understand this King James stuff. That's cool. You version has all the translations you can think about. Well, uh, no sabe espanol or inglés. Hey, it's got Spanish for you, too. <laughs> it's all there. You version today is a good, good tool to have on your phone. Don't tell me, well, I'm not really a person that goes on my phone a lot. No, if you have a Facebook account, I know you're on your phone, okay? I know you're on your phone. I'm just joking. But what I'm saying is this. Technology today has made it really, really easy for us to gain his word because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And so when we either pop the earbuds in or, or just play it from there or, or stream it on our, on our TV so we can hear it more, it's, it, the word, and we're listening, it's, it's, it's going to build our faith in us. You know, I had a season, uh, 2010 to 2014-ish in the middle, uh, of working at um, a corporation called Gentex. Great, great company. A factory job. I worked on the line. I loved it. Uh, it was a great season. Not easy to get up, though, by the way. I feel you, okay? But let me tell you something. That, those four and a half years season was probably one of the best seasons I've ever had growing-wise. Because we did repetitive stuff, and literally, I think you can go to sleep in your brain and just keep working. Like it just, your body just kind of formed to what was happening. You're doing it. And I started taking advantage of that time of just putting the earbud in, in, in my ear and hitting play. 
Yeah, I couldn't read the Bible because I'm working, but they gave us the privilege of just popping it in our ear and listening to some music is what they would say. I would listen to his word for eight to ten hours straight, whether it was the Bible app or whether it was some uh, teaching, some, um, what are they called, uh, podcasts, you know, teachings. Man, I had like three different pastors that were speaking in my life and they don't even know me. Like that's just how much time I had. And I took total advantage of that. And let me tell you something, church. During that season, I used to jot little tiny notes. Every time I got something good, I would just put like a quick note, okay, of, so it can remind me later or a scripture that I can go on later. Did you know during that four-year process, four-and-a-half-year process, God showed me the vision of the church I would lead one day? And I would say, what? I'm not leading any church. Like, no way. Like, you know, they need me here right now. It was just fear that was really creeping up. But his word was revealing the mysteries of tomorrow, today. And I was able, I mean, I remember coming home to my wife in 2012, okay? This is not even our radar of, of any type of church leading, all right? And I told Madi one day, Madi, and she's like, yeah. And I said, I, I got a vision for our future church. And she goes, are you sure that was God? <laughs> are you listening to the right voice? Because <laughs> I don't think that was God. And I said, no, 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 I know it's God. And I would talk to her about bridging gaps. You know, I said, Marty, there's this gaps between people and Jesus and, 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 and the way Jesus built a bridge. And I would use, like, the cool, like, yeah, he built a bridge with two pieces of wood and three nails. Like, I just thought that was cool at the time. But I was telling her the concept of how Jesus built a bridge and that people were, I kept seeing people cross. I started in 2013, I started doodling on my, my thing because I was seeing images in my, in my, during Word. While the Bible was being played, I was seeing images in my head. And I kept seeing a family. I kept seeing a family walking across a bridge. And there was a sunset and that represented eternity. And this was the world side. Okay? And what God was doing is was he was getting me ready for today. Then, not even knowing I was going to be here because his, his word was just being implanted in me daily. I share you version to you because and I'm not preaching on you version. I'm just sharing this because it is a tool that can be used. Other people say, well, there's Gateway and there's other Bible apps. That's fine. This is not a competition. Just get in your word. The Bible, his word is what's going to really feed us. Uh, in Jeremiah 15, 16, it says this. When your words came. I ate them, is what the Bible says. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. You know, when, when Madi and I got married, she now bears my last name. And that's just a temporal thing, okay? But when it comes to Christ's, Okay, and his identity and who, he, who uh, you are through him, you bear the name. It is burnt in you. No one can erase that because of the Lord God Almighty. And, you know, sometimes it might be a discipline for some of us, you know, to get in the word. Okay, I, I get the excuse of, okay, I'm not a reader, you version, okay. But maybe it's just a discipline. It's hard, you know, and you're just being honest, which God wants you to be honest. And it's just hard to just crack that baby open, okay? First of all, those that, that, that sleep with the Bible and say, well, you know, I'm protected, that's, that's not going to work. I, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm bursting your bubble, and it's going to be a big, loud pop, okay? That's not true. If someone even says, oh, I have my Bible on my nightstand, and I believe that, no, 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 no. Crack that baby open, start reading what's in those pages, put it here, drop here, then it's activated in your life. 
You know, and so when you think about it, uh, it may be a discipline for some of you guys. And like me, it started that way. But what's going to happen is the more you discipline yourself and in getting into his word on a daily consistent basis, let me tell you something. It starts becoming a joy. The way Jeremiah said it here, it's the joy and the delight of my heart. And before you know it, you are now getting into the Bible, and you're now wanting to know more, and you're skipping breakfast to go to your Bible instead of the other way because we're hungry. You know, God wants us to continue to grow in joy and in peace and in grace as well, but it starts with us encountering him. You know, early mornings are probably one of the best times. Not a cookie-cutter way to do this, but early mornings are probably one of the best times to get with your God because it's early and it's before the day and I believe God is going to pave a way for you for your day because of his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, that the whole Bible, okay, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true. Everyone want to say true. true. Okay. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. Ever been to a chiropractor? (laughs) Some of you guys know what I'm talking about or know the purpose of what chiropractors do. They align you. They align you up. You know, when you get into the word of God, it's like a spiritual chiropractor. (laughs) There are some crooked moments we have in our life. (laughs) And you go to the word of God. Oh, that kind of hurt, but felt good at the same time, right? That's what we do. Right? You, and, and honestly, if you go through a chiropractor, you stand up taller. I was talking to one of my friends, Brian, yesterday. He was talking about chiropractors and, you know, how he feels. He says, man, sometimes I feel like I slouch. He goes, but after I get adjusted, like, I'm tall and I'm walking straight. And I, I just feel great. He's like, I had no pain or nothing. And I believe, spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. You know, there are, maybe we're heavy in something. Maybe there's something going on in our life. But when we go to the promises of God, all right, and we see what we need to adjust and God wants to make an alignment in our life, it just straightens us out. Our heads are higher. We walk with confidence because we're starting to see truth of who he is. The final truth is what God says in his word. The final truth for your life is what God says through his promises, no matter what we feel. Ultimately, okay, God gave us the Bible because of this. He wants us to change the way we think. He says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His is far more superior. He simply just wants us to change the way we think. So that's why when we encounter God in his word, we have an opportunity to be transformed in mind and start thinking the way Christ thinks. Uh, he uses this as an example in the Bible. He uses a mirror. Everyone look in the mirror today? Why are you laughing, man? You didn't, did you? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> we all look in the mirror, okay? What's the purpose of the mirror? To check out, see what we need to clean up or straighten up or curl up or whatever it is. You know, I know I don't go to the mirror and just stare at myself and just walk away. Like I go in the early morning, I'm like, okay, I got some work to do. You know, and I brush the teeth, you know, and I, I, I fix the hair. How many of you guys ever did the hair thing and like you have one thing that's just not going down? And you're getting the gel you're getting a little bit of the wife's hairspray without her looking and just kind of like, and why is my hairspray can empty? (laughs) 
sharing a little bit of my life. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll buy you a new one. That's what I tell you. You know, and we, and we go and we try to make all these adjustments, and then we're like, all right, we're good, let's go. Wouldn't it be funny? Actually, would it? I would, I would pray for you, but wouldn't it be kind of odd if we went to the mirror and we saw the hair sticking out this way and the, the, the food in the teeth, and, and we just looked, and okay, and then come to church? <laughs> then come to church? You know, I say that because the purpose of the mirror is to help fix what and straighten up what needs to be straightened up, and, and we go. When we look in the Word of God, when we grab our Bible and we look in that thing, you are seeing an image of him and you. You're seeing yourself victorious. You're seeing yourself with the promise. You're seeing yourself with prosperity, with healing. And when you don't apply those things in your life and just say, okay, whatever, and you walk away from it, it's no different than you looking in the mirror, seeing all the flaws, and just walking away. God says when you see yourself, you walk in that. You apply it in your life, and you continue to move forward. But you have to see yourself through his word, through God's perspective in your eyes. If there are doubts or if there are fears, Jesus has an issue for that. He has, uh, sorry, a solution for that. He says you are more than conquerors. He says that you can do all things in Christ Jesus who gives you the strength. But you have to make it a habit for you to speak that out and to continue to line yourself up when you just want to lean a little bit and bring yourself up. His word is life-giving to you. You know, in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, it says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Think about that for a second. The unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. There is no difference. <laughs> there is no difference between someone's thoughts being far away from God and actually have a person being far away from God. That's how much God wants you. So you see a person that's not living for Jesus. They don't have Jesus in our life. And our thoughts are just completely away from God. There is no difference between that. God doesn't just want you and then just the salvation. He wants your thoughts. He wants your heart. He wants your body. He wants all of you because he wants you to make a difference here on earth. And God is also not a mysterious God, okay? We hear those phrases a lot. Like he's just a mysterious, and he works in mysterious ways. He works in all different types of ways. He just blindsided us on how he did it. That's all it was. You know, we didn't expect him to do it that way, but he did it, and it worked because we had doubts on it. So we said, oh, he's a mysterious God. <laughs> he made the impossible possible. No, in his word, what God says is what's going to happen. If God says that his people are going to come back and reestablish a nation, 1948, that happened. God's word was, and he said this way long ago. God is not a mysterious God. God is a God that wants us to, be, to, to operate in him because he wants to reveal his truth. <laughs> and he wants to reveal himself to you. That's what he wants. He's going to be straightforward and direct with you with love and with kindness, with grace and with mercy. But with so much truth. Every decision and every di direction for your life that you're probably going through right now or maybe later can be found in his word. All the answers. Every single answer you can be found. How Marriage. How do I do this? God has an answer for you. 
our, our, our finances. God has an answer for you. People around you that's just hard to love. God has an answer for you. Work and boss and coworkers. God has an answer for you. In the home, all these situations. God has an answer for you. I can't just stop this bad habit. Habit. God has an answer for you in his word. But it requires you to read his word, listen to his word, apply his word, just allow it to just be absorbed in your life. You need to invest your time. <laughs> That's a hard one. Invest your time in his word so you can, okay, there's, there's, there's a result in this one. So you can deposit it in other people's lives, not just for you to keep but for you to give freely in other people's lives. I mean, you think about it. When you go to the bank, you deposit money, all right, and you have an expectation and what they're going to do. The result of that deposit, which is that money, is solely based off the investment you put in your work. All the stuff that you gave the time and, and the clocking in and then doing your thing and then payday comes and then you put it into the bank or a portion into the bank, that was, that's your time investment. That's the answer. That's the result of your deposit or of the investment which is what you're depositing in. There's no difference when it comes to the word of God and people. When you give your time and you do what it says, you're giving all that. You're, you're, all you're doing is you're getting ready to deposit in someone else's life. You know, for instance, my, my personal life, you know, I, I, when I continue to get into, into uh, his word and just encounter him, I have many, many opportunities to invest into my children who don't know yet or are not experiencing the full, full knowledge of him yet, but they're going to, they're growing into it. Or even other people when we just have simple conversations. You know, there are many times where I'm, I'm just talking with people, and I'll just say one little thing, a word of encouragement. And they're like, how did you know? I, I didn't know. That just spewed out of me. It, it spilled. It, it overflowed, and you just got caught in it. And God touched you right, right where you're at. He wants to do the same thing in your guys' life as well, too. Understand that people were always on Jesus' mind. People were always on Jesus, still today in heaven, he's still thinking about people. But when he walked on earth, he, was, he always had people, people in their mind. He was willing to take detours. If he was going one way and they needed something here, he was willing to go there, no matter the distance of where, how far he had to walk. Remember, there weren't no cars back then. There were no bikes back then. Everything was by foot. But distance didn't stop Jesus because he understood that people populated the kingdom of God. It is people that populate that. You know, we have a big role to play when it comes to the kingdom of God and depositing others. Jesus modeled it many, many times. In the book of Mark, um, in chapter 6, there's a story uh, of Jesus and his disciples. And these people are following Jesus. And Jesus has such great teachings. And the word's getting around about who Jesus is. And is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? Certainly, he's the son of God. All these things are going around the religious leaders are mad. You know, the, the, the uh, people that don't have God in their life, they're, they're being saved. So all this commotion's happening, and people start following him. And then there's a point in the Bible where as he's walking with his disciples and the crowds are following him, where he feeds 5,000 people with just a few pieces of bread and fish. Just a few pieces. And it was able to supply enough and more. I think there was 12 baskets left over. Of, of extras, and he fed everybody, and everyone was satisfied. But before that happened, when the people were just all around, check out Jesus' attitude, and check out what he models here. This is Mark 6, 34. 
And it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, and that crowd is a crowd of people, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. The Bible just told us that he had compassion. Jesus sees these people without a shepherd. He sees these people that have nowhere to go and nothing to eat. He recognizes the hunger, then does something about it. A miraculous thing, a miracle. He did something about it. How cool would it be today if we could recognize people in their hunger or their thirst for something out there and we have the answer, we have the bread of life in our life and we, we can simply just extend a hand and just, and just feel. How cool would it be if we did that on a daily basis rather than judge them for the way they're living? Think about it for a second. Rather than judging the way they're living, or they just need Jesus, they just need Jesus, and we have Jesus, how cool would it be if we just walked up to them and said, hey, and then start encountering maybe a relationship or get to that point. That's where God wants us to be at. He wants us to have compassion towards others. He wants us to do life with them so we can have, they can have an opportunity to accept a good God, a really good God. People were always on the mind of Jesus. And there are three reasons why, and I'm going to quickly give you these three points, okay? And the first one is the reason why Jesus, or people were always on Jesus' mind is, number one, they, uh, Jesus knew the heart of the Father. He knew the heart of the Father, the plan, the grand plan of it all. Number two, Jesus knew the reality of eternity, that people are going to step into eternity one day. And it's either going to be with God or without God. And he wants everybody with God. Okay? And number three, Jesus knows and sees the potential in people. You know, when you see, when, when you look at the potential in people, the, the way they, they uh, um, live today, there's, God sees something different. He sees something that's more eternal and impactful in other people's lives. And when you start seeing yourself in God's view, you start seeing others the same way, the way God sees them. I'm going to close it with this one scripture. In Psalms 1830, okay, Psalmist says this, as for God, his way is perfect. Let that sink for a second. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. Flawless. It's the final authority in your life. And all God wants you to do is have an encounter with him. Now, I'll close it with this one thing real quick. Understand that the word of God is living and active today. That the word of God is Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. God has established his word for us to get in reading and time with him and in fellowship so we can know him more. Now with all uh, eyes closed and head bowed, please.